think uh, when we talk of the industry, the industry uh, is transforming uh, quite a lot when it comes uh, to women. What I would love to, to pose as a challenge is for women who are coming up uh, into the spaces to take up space. You don't have to, uh, to, to imitate or act, like, uh, or act like a man to have a voice uh, in the space. Welcome back to The Tea with Nikki. We are pro-tea, not anti-coffee, and I will say this over and over again as long as we're in lockdown. You're welcome to have a quarantini as well, just as long as you're comfortable. I hope that you're ready to get stuck into this interview with Nolavuyo Mpekelana. She's an incredible woman. She has an IT professional career that spans over 11 years, from the telecommunications sector to financial to higher education and natural resources. Not only that, she is a social entrepreneur who has founded two public benefit organizations that have an impact on the lives and the communities in the sectors which they serve. She is also a founding member of the Inside Out Mentors as well as a co-founder of ICT on Heels, which are two programs to help mentor women in the ICT space. In this interview with Nolavuyo, we talk about how the COVID-19 situation has currently impacted her work environment, what she believes the future looks like for the ICT environment, and why she believes it's important to mentor women to be more involved in the ICT and IT professional space. Sit back, relax, and I hope you learned something. I definitely did. Awesome. So, what my cup of tea, excuse me. <laughs> oh, great, I got one with, we got it together. What tea are you drinking? <laughs> rooibos. Ah, oh, snap. Me too. It felt like a rooibos kind of day. Yes. So you're an IT manager at one of the largest mining and commodity enterprises. How does that look in 2020 and what does your role entail exactly? Well, uh, the mining space and technology in general is a, is a space that's very male-dominated. Mm. So uh, we are making progress, uh, but not fast enough. So uh, how it looks like uh, in this day and age is uh, often I'm still uh, the only female in the room or sometimes you'll find uh, a, few, a few females in the space that I operate in. But in a nutshell, what I do uh, as uh, a head of IT or IT manager in the mining environment is I basically help uh, business become more productive, help business uh, achieve their objectives uh, through technology, whether it's sometimes through uh, improving uh, or automating processes or whether it's helping the guys underground do their, do their lives better but it's incorporating technology and improving the way uh, we do business every day. Mm. Okay. And so how did you find yourself falling in love with IT and coding? Strangely enough, uh, IT was not my first love. I always joke uh, and, say, uh, and say this. It uh, sort of came as a plan B into my life, but uh, What's uh, keeping me in, uh, in love with the discipline and with IT in general is uh, how IT is always so geared at uh, solving problems through technology. And mm. for me, the, the exciting things have moved around from uh, various industries, from banking, uh, 
into insurance space, into finance. And for me, what's always kept things exciting for me within the space is the ability to solve problems, the ability to simplify lives through uh, through technology. So that's uh, that's where my love comes from. It's centered around problem solving, problem solving problems through technology. So was it because of this love of problem solving that you decided to find um, more than one initiative and organization in teaching kids how to code and you're also a book author, children's book author and writing stories of technology for kids. So can you tell us, is, is that what inspired you because you love problem solving or how did that come about? So how that came about initially was uh, frustration being in the space for long. Uh, we would uh, often revert to scarce skills and sometimes uh, we would struggle to fill uh, certain vacancies and we couldn't, uh, we couldn't uh, find or we wouldn't find uh, qualified or suitable candidates. And I looked at this, uh, it, it looked like we were recycling talent in, in the sense that the same people were, were basically moving around the industry. And I basically wanted uh, to change the outlook of that for, for the future generations. So it was like uh, a preparation for skills of the future kind of mentality that said, if you start this initiative and if you start uh, exposing these kids to these uh, opportunities and into these uh, careers, then maybe in the future we, we, we wouldn't have or we shouldn't have uh, as much uh, scarce skills uh, jobs or jobs that are classified as scarce skills that, uh, that, that, that we currently have in this day and age. So I started, uh, I started doing some work with the kids, exposing them uh, through coding. And as I started doing some work with the kids, I realized that it was not just about teaching kids how to, how to code. And my vision and mission shifted. It was no longer about trying to create the next generation of computer scientists, but it was around creating uh, problem solvers because we expose our kids to frameworks and methodologies such as computational thinking, design thinking that allows kids to solve problems. So in reality, whether they end up uh, in the tech space or whether they end up in other fields, if they end up being a lawyer or an accountant, for example, they become a professional that has uh, a good appetite for for embracing technology within uh, their given discipline. Um, all for kids being uh, being encouraged to study what they love and not to force kids to follow specific careers because we think uh, they're good for them or there's a certain stereotype that certain careers have more money. So the whole initiative was uh, centered around equipping kids to solve uh, to solve uh, problems of tomorrow through uh, this organization called uh, Code Minor. And so was also wanting to problem solve and not to continuously rotate the same people. You're also uh, part of two mentoring programs of mentoring women for the ICT and IT space. It's Heels in ICT and Inside Out Mentors. Am I correct in saying those? So why Heels and Inside Out Mentors. Yes. And so 
what what are your reasons for being a mentor why do you think it's so important for women to be in the ICT space so when i started uh founding or starting mentorship programs i was still based in cape town uh, in 2012 and i started up inside out mentors uh for the young girls in kailicha and for me what uh inspired or motivated me to start a mentoring program was often those girls didn't have enough role models or women they could look up to so it was to support the the young girls that were upcoming in kailicha to 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 inspire them and to to help them achieve a solid academic background to it was just trying to instill to the girls and say to the girls uh you can go to school and you you will be able to achieve your dreams it's uh it's okay it's something that's possible whereas some of the girls are uh, aspire just to get married or to find a boyfriend and uh often in those communities are uh, education is not something that uh that is uh often uh encouraged in young girls and that's mm-hmm. what motivated me to start uh, inside out mentors then when i moved into the ict space as i mentioned earlier that still even in 2020 i still find myself being uh, the only woman in the table and for me that didn't sit well with me yes. so i yes so i then uh, co-founded in uh, 2016 an initiative called ict on hills Yeah. And the main idea with ICT on Hills was to support uh upcoming women in ICT and to uh to offer guidance. Uh because women come into the tech space, they find it to be uh, a very lonely space and yeah. they break into other careers, marketing, whatever, whatever the case is. It was trying to uh create uh, a forum of sisterhood uh amongst uh, the women within the space and for us to uh basically help each other as we navigate uh as we navigate the the journey and I think when it comes to mentoring it's important because uh you as an individual are then able to tap on uh resources and experiences uh that uh, your peers have uh, yeah. have experienced so uh it's it's a shared economy I love that that's beautiful how many girls do you mentor <laughs> so we need to not not an ICT overall but you personally how many are you able to mentor at a time because i know you've got a very busy schedule <laughs> So I think over the years the numbers have go down uh due to family commitments but mm-hmm. I currently do have two active mentees who I'm very close with and uh I've watched their journey how they started up and how they're doing amazing things so uh currently I'm actively mentoring two That's amazing. That's really great and I'm sure during this COVID-19 time to continue with your mentoring programs and work must have also taken a bit of a strain as well so how has covid-19 the lockdown affected your current working environment so how covid-19 has uh, affected my current work environment well for me the big shift was not much uh, the working uh, the working from home uh, 
shift. I know for a lot of people, the big shift is the fact that they're now working from home. Uh, we have been able to work uh, from home previously in the past as uh, professionals in the tech space. And uh, I think for me, while uh, everyone is going on about the technology impact that we now having meetings via uh, Zoom mainly, for me, what COVID-19 has really made me realize was that we, we're social beings at the end of the day. Mm. We, we long for connection and, uh, and belonging. And uh, for me, uh, it's, it's, what, it's what has hit me hard from the professional perspective that I now connect with my peers, mainly uh, virtually as opposed to face-to-face engagements. But also it's given me time to uh, step back from the madness because I'm no longer driving to work. Uh, it's given me time to be at home, be more present with my kids. Uh, yeah. it's, also given, hmm, it's also given me a great opportunity as a leader. Often we, we very much say this is our values, this is what, uh, what I believe in, but uh, COVID-19 has uh, given us or given me a great opportunity to sort of practice uh, what I preach because it's, uh, I'm no longer just saying I trust you as, uh, as a teammate. Yeah. It's me emphasizing my trust because now I've got, a, I've got uh, teams working virtually. So if I'm going to be a leader that has insecurity issues, that doesn't trust the, the, the team, uh, COVID-19 will drive you crazy because you're not, uh, you're not, you're not going to control people. People are in their different spaces. You just need to trust that they, they're doing what they need to do. It's simple things as well, such as uh, I care for my team. So COVID-19 has really, has really amplified those values that uh, it's no longer a thing that uh, we say, oh, I care about you guys, but it's me going going out during this time and really connecting and really engaging and leaving all these values that uh, that I say I believe in. And after COVID-19, because at the moment now, there's all the rumors flying around that it's pushed us technologically five years ahead of where we were going, uh, especially in the e-commerce space. So kind of post-COVID lockdown, where do you think the ICT sector will be? Do you think it's going to be a lot more integrated and synonymous with our lives? Or do you think people are going to push back a little bit and want to do more face-to-face sort of things? Or where do you see it, it affecting that sector? So this is a very interesting question. And the reason why I say it's interesting, every time so- someone would ask me, what do you think post-COVID-19? I, I always joke and say to my family and friends, if anyone asked me what life after COVID-19 is going to look like again, I'm going to pull my hair. I'm so sorry for asking. <laughs> so uh, jokes aside, uh, uh, jokes aside, I think uh, there's been a lot of engagements. Like I've been uh, watching on social media, various professionals and people just engaging on on life and how things will look like after after COVID-19. And for me, what has, uh, what has really risen with me is we are currently creating life post uh, COVID-19 as we speak. Mm. So uh, 
in my space, for example, as a as a tech uh, as a tech pro uh, professional, I am currently building uh, a tool uh, that's going to help uh, a digital tool or or an app that's going to help. Uh, around gender-based violence in South Africa. And when I've engaged with some of my peers about, around the stuff that they, are, that they are doing or how they see things post-COVID-19, everyone uh, is almost so energized and uh, so excited to to create this life that we want after, after COVID-19. So I don't think, for me, I don't think uh, the question is, uh, or, or what's important is whether we'll be connecting more virtually or whether we'll be doing more face-to-face engagements. I think COVID-19 has uh, has positioned us to be in a space whereby we can really start uh, innovating and uh, and solving social issues around, around us in general. That's the beautiful uh, thing about it. And whether we do it, uh, virtually or we do it uh, face to face, I think for me, what we will see post this is a whole new wave of innovation coming through. Yeah, I've I've been saying as well to friends and family and colleagues, just say I can't can't wait to see what brain children come out of this because people are sitting now having time and able to assess the social issues like my, my eyes picked up when you said that you're doing something with gender-based violence, you're building a program. Can we talk a bit more about that? What is it that you're working on exactly? So uh, when we think or, or when we talk of uh, gender-based violence in South Africa, it's always uh, your Twitter wars or your social, your social media kind of movements. But we never, we never take it out practically outside those spaces. We never take those conversations outside those spaces and say, how do we create a safe space uh, for us uh, as women? Yeah. So uh, what we are currently working on is uh, as a safe space, a space of uh, escape, a platform that uh, deals with uh, mental health, uh, of women who are experiencing these things, not only deal with uh, with uh, mental health, but uh, able to provide the basic services that a woman whose life is in danger, whose life is threatened, uh, basically needs at the at the click of a button. So, is it going to be an app, so to say, uh, almost like um, you know? We used to have, uh, they still are rape whistles, so, but except now it's virtual, it's a button. So it will yeah. alert authorities or those, those sorts. It's something of that sort. It does incorporate alerting uh, authorities, uh, but it also has a service element to it, whereby uh, the various service providers of uh, services that a person who is uh, in danger, who is threatened, come on board and they offer those uh, services through a virtual platform. And uh, and counselling services as well, because you spoke about mental health. Those are all then available on this app. Yeah. It's incredible. Was it... Uh, pardon? 
I'm saying it's, it's, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for new ideas. It's an, it's, it's an exciting time for new ways of thinking, new solutions. So that's what uh, COVID-19 in my personal space has given birth to. Yeah. And I hope that many more apps that address social issues and can help uh, social issues come out of this as well, because that's incredible. And especially in South Africa, where we have such an issue with gender-based violence. And I think it's something that can be very useful and it's accessible as well, which is, I think, really great. So I really want to thank you for doing that and working on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, and if there's a woman who's wanting to pursue a, a profession in IT, what would be your foundation steps that you would say in order for her to get to where you are as an IT manager? I think in terms of the foundation steps, uh, for me, like what's key is, uh, or, 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 or one, one piece of advice that I would give uh, to such a woman is commit to yourself. Like it's easy, it's getting the marks of the grade 12 marks to get university entry to do to do your the course that you want to do is, is the easy part. That's the easy part. You passing a university is also the easy part. But uh, what uh, becomes so important is committing to yourself and consistency in terms of uh, of sticking to uh, to your goals and what you want to achieve. Have a clear vision in place and commit to it, and commit every day to being uh, to being the best. That's great. And who who's always been a mentor or a role model for you when when you were pursuing your career? I think who's always been a mentor or a role model to me is my father. He's not uh, in the tech space, uh, he's in the construction space and uh, he wanted me to be an engineer or thought I'd go into, into a similar field. But he's been very instrumental in my career, he's been very supportive, uh, that's, uh, that's the person I look up to uh, in his personal journey in terms of uh, how he navigated uh, being a disadvantage, previously disadvantage, and not not letting circumstances stand in between uh, his way of uh, achieving his goals and dreams and uh, going for what he believes for. From family, because you sound very similar, so I can hear that you've taken after him. He's been a role model for you. <laughs> Thanks. And. Um, Backpedal a little bit where you said being in the ICT space and IT space is very male dominated, very male centric. How do you think or what can be done by the IT space to be more inclusive of women and um, just in social spaces as well? I think uh, when we talk of the industry, the industry uh, is transforming uh, quite a lot when it comes uh, to women. What I would love to, to pose as a challenge is for women who are coming up uh, into the spaces to take up space. You don't have to, uh, to, to imitate or act, like, uh, or act like a man to have a voice uh, in the space. And 
If you look, even in society in general, women make up, I think, 70% of our consumer, consumer decisions. So, for example, even if I'm not going to be buying a product specifically at the shop, but even if I don't have money to buy it, but I have an influence as a woman to influence those with buying power around me, whether it's my father, whether it's my partner, I, I have some, or whether it's brother, I have some level of influence in terms of consumer decisions at home. What gets purchased at home in terms of food, clothing, those decisions are mainly driven by women, even, how, if, if, even big assets, houses, cars, those are things we drive in terms of decisions. And what I always say, if we're driving such uh, consumer decisions in the household, why are we stepping back when, uh, when businesses are designing these solutions? Why are we stepping back uh, when uh, products are being created? So I think uh, there's a valuable space uh, in all businesses for women to come in, uh, give their input. We think differently and those are the things that we need to, to embrace in general and not try to, uh, to think like a man, to act like a man and do all these things that uh, society, society tells us to do. I think for me the important thing is for us to get comfortable in our spaces, to get comfortable with uh, who we are. So you're saying to take up space and be comfortable with who we are and not model ourselves after men. So then I want to pose a question, what does feminine leadership mean to you or what does it look like to you? I think uh, feminine feminine leadership to me, uh, it's inclusion, it's leadership that's, uh, that's inclusive. It's leadership uh, that uh, understands me as a woman. For example, I'm a mother. It's leadership that offers uh, flexibility in the workplace. If, I, if I'm managing uh, a team of women, it's, uh, it's leadership that's sensitive to, to issues around women. It's not, uh, it's not just uh, leadership that, that puts everyone in one box. It's leadership that allows that allows us to be flexible and that allows us to to embrace the various things we bring uh, in the table as different genders. I love that. And now it brings me to the one segment I like to call the ABCs of your career. So A for affluent moment. What was your affluent moment in your career that sort of sparked your career path? I think my affluent moment in my career that sort of sparked my uh, career path, uh, it was not in an office setting or in the workplace per se. It was uh, more at uh, university. So one of the things that I I realized, or one of my big uh, aha moments was that uh, Learning doesn't learning doesn't happen in the in the classroom. Learning happens outside the classroom. Therefore, when we go out uh, into the industry, into the workplace, we have uh, such a great opportunity to to implement or to practice what uh, what we've learned uh, in the classroom. And 
for me, that was uh, my big aha moment. It's, it's a moment that allows me to see every day as a learning opportunity, every person I engage with, the differences, as an opportunity to learn something that we're constantly, uh, that we're constantly learning uh, in general, and you never stop learning. And what, what was a bad business blunder in your career? Hmm. I think a uh, bad business blunder in my career. Uh, was doing business with uh, with people who, who don't have aligned value systems as me, and uh, I'm not saying that uh, we should be stuck up and uh, and only want to engage with people that are that are like us, but I think when it comes to, uh, to, 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 to value system, when that is aligned, when your value system is aligned uh, with the company that you work for, for example, with the people you work with, it becomes easy to, to achieve your objectives. Uh, if you work with someone whose belief system uh, is uh, very different from yours. It can be it can be quite challenging. It can even uh, it can even prevent you from achieving uh, your goals and your objectives. So that's one of uh, the business lessons that I have learned is that uh, it's not only about the technical skills. For me, it's about uh, what you stand for as a person, what you believe in. That's that's what will make us work well together. Yeah. And C, what was your cinematic worthy cock up in your career? Like just a funny mistake. Because <laughs> we all make mistakes and we're all human and it's good to laugh about those. <laughs> it's a silly one. So it was uh, challenging my previous boss for a run. So I'm a runner. Okay. It was challenging. Yes. <laughs> And uh, he was way about 50, about 50 at the time and challenging him for a run uh, in Cape Town when I was still based in Cape Town after a long hectic night. So uh, I really embarrassed myself there. <laughs> did you win or did you lose? <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> and I bet you he probably didn't let you live it down either. It's like, yeah, you wanted to run. Yes, no, yeah. Okay. Lift it up a bit. Oh. Is it a, a flag? Mm -hmm. Um a painting? A square. Yeah, I see a square. I just can't see what's inside. I'm not I don't know if I'm being What's inside. It's just random scribbling. Oh, squares. So, can I have a clue? Starts with a P. Um, and represent comfort. I'm drawing a complete blank. Soft. A pillow. <laughs> Is it a pillow? <laughs> Hello. 
How was yes. it? Yes. Okay. Hello. Okay. I have a word. I'm going to try and see if I can draw it on screen so you can see me drawing it. Um, so, if you can see, oops. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Oh, that's terrible. That's a chair. Yes, it's a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Awesome. Let's yeah. let's do one more round each, I think. Cool. Hopefully I'll be better this time. Ooh, this is an interesting one. <laughs> oh. Can we, yeah. Is it an exhaust? Hmm. Car, car fumes. Car exhaust. It's an insect. Oh, can you bring it a bit closer? I can't see it. Is it a caterpillar? Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got one as well. This one will be interesting. Okay. I'm just trying to think. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Sorry. This is not meant to be a... Wow. Cool. Camera. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good at this. <laughs> and so now I finish off the interviews with just Three quick fire questions. You can't prep for them, so it's just what comes to the top of your mind. Cool. Um, three books that you would recommend for our listeners to read. Three books are with the authors. It can, or just you the can author. name three authors, yeah, or you can say three books that maybe impacted you, or okay. So one is Lean In by Cheryl Sinbeck. And second one is A Sit at the Table. I forgot the author. It's a very lovely book uh, if we are in the tech space. Third one is uh, Betting on a Ducky by um, Tetunyati. Oh, cool. There's a daily routine that you can't live without. Meditating. Ah, do you meditate once or twice a day? Twice. Morning and evening? Yes. Okay, for how long? 20 minutes. That's amazing. My form of meditation is, is reading. I can't just sit still and breathe for more than five minutes. It's wow. To learn it. I need to learn how to do it. Favorite genre of music? That's jazz. Oh, jazz. 
Yes. After my own heart, I love some good jazz. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. That brings our end. It was so lovely. I loved hearing exactly everything you had to say. Very interesting. And I can't wait to see the app when it comes out. I'll let you know. I'll keep you in Definitely. touch. Definitely. We'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I hope that you found that interview as insightful as I did. I'm so excited to see the valuable application that Nolivuyo is busy working on and how much of an impact that's going to bring to South Africa as we do really suffer with gender-based violence. And to make something so accessible for women in impoverished areas is going to be life-changing. What I'd also like for us to take away from today is that as women, we shouldn't feel that we need to change our femininity to suit the masculine narrative, to hold our space, and then to pursue what it is that we are passionate about, become problem solvers in our everyday lives because learning can go beyond just a classroom.